Welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. My name is Sam Clements and this is the podcast that celebrates films with a 90 minute or less runtime. In each episode, a guest will select a film and join me to add to our ongoing fictional film festival. Today, we are joined by Celine Song, the writer and director of Past Lives, a fantastic film which is in cinemas right now. Of course, if you're listening in the future, I'm sure there's a lovely Blu-ray streaming version, all that good stuff. Uh, Welcome, Celine. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on the show and thank you for Past Lives. It's such a wonderful film. Thank you. I had the pleasure of seeing this film twice in cinemas. I always like rewatching films, but um, the thing that got me with Past Lives was the second time I watched it was kind of an accident. Mm-hmm. I was working at a festival and I was like, I'll just check the beginning of the film, make sure it plays okay. And then an hour and 45 minutes there, the <laughs> credits were rolling. I was like, wow, that happened. It's the equivalent of like flicking through films on TV, you know, late at night and then accidentally watching. So I think that is the sign <laughs> of how that. much fun Past Lives is. I'm so happy. That's so amazing. You've played at many festivals. You've opened in the US. It's about to open in the UK as we're recording but what's uh, what's it like now sort of looking back on the process like do you still remember when you had that first you know, spark of an idea that would end up becoming past lives yeah I mean I think that you know I uh, was in this bar sitting between my childhood sweetheart who had come to visit me in New York uh, and he's a friend and uh, my husband who I live with in New York City and I was translating between these two guys in language and in culture. And uh, eventually I realized that it actually, I was actually translating between two parts of my own life and my own self. And I think that really, that feeling uh, really made me feel really epic in scale, even though I'm an ordinary person. It felt like uh, something uh, massively dramatic was happening, even though of course from the outside eye, maybe we just look like three people talking. And that really was the initial impulse behind uh, working on this film. And that is basically the opening shot of the film. Yeah. Was this always going to be a feature film? Because I know you've worked in other art forms in the past. Yeah, well, I was a playwright for 10 years and I think that um, I felt like this particular story should be told uh, cinematically because it spans decades and continents and also it does matter uh, what cities that they're in or it and it does matter uh, how old the characters are and how both the little girl that we all are and uh, uh, and the grown woman that she is is also uh, sort of uh, it's a very important part of the story so in fact we needed to see those things uh, visually it actually looks so good I love the cinematography and I was just drinking in all of the especially New York because I've been there I was able to go like oh that looks like a place I've been yeah. uh, were there important like, you know, real life locations for you that you had to get in this film a lot of the things were driven by the characters and what they were going through more than anything there's uh, such a liberty in the movie and such a liberty is uh, it's funny because for New Yorkers I'm sure it is just like uh, the London Bridge for you know people who live in London it is uh, maybe not a place that you uh, regularly go you even want to go because it's filled with tourists but the film is about two characters centers around two characters one of whom are whom is uh, a tourist and the other is uh, an immigrant so because of that such a liberty is a very powerful symbol for an immigrant and it's a must see for a tourist so because of that it was important for example to show the Statue of Liberty um, and of course uh, there is a, a carousel that is encased in glass uh, by the water and uh, in Brooklyn Bridge Park in New York City in, in Brooklyn that place felt so significant because the characters speak about their childhood 
um, that is sort of encased in glass in some way. And I think uh, the fact that they were having that conversation in front of the carousel encased in glass uh, felt like the the most symbolic way to uh, uh, you know shoot that scene. So I think that those are the things that really uh, drove the uh, locations. Feels really sort of naturalistic as as well. Like it makes total sense to the characters to be there, and the the lines of dialogue they say are they are sort of so effortless. You know, it feels like lived in people uh, who are saying these things. And I love the so there's like a throwaway line about like I've, I've never seen the Statue of Liberty before. Yeah, of, uh, course. And of course. Everybody who lives in a city with attractions is like, oh yeah, I've never been to my yeah. <laughs> famous attraction. <laughs> exactly. There's a really wonderful soundtrack in the film um, by Christopher Bear and, and Daniel Rosen, who are in Grizzly Bear, one of my favorite bands. Yeah, the um, best band. Did you? Did did you have a sound for the film when you were writing or, or does that sort of did you start to uh, you know think about how it might sound later in the process well I think I've kind of uh, was thinking about it in the in the prep period in the in the script phase and things like that and I think so much of it had to do with uh, honestly the scores relationship to silence and the, and in its silence of course is being filled by the sounds of the cities that they're in so so much of it had to work with the sound design where you need to experience the moment like you're actually standing in the middle of the street so music had to be sparse but impactful and i really love working with chris and dan on the score because they understood that they understood um why silence mattered and how, uh, you, you know, how to sort of uh, give room to the audience to feel things on their own terms and f- in their own way, as opposed to hammering them with something sentimental so that they do feel something. Um, you actually are going to uh, leave room for the audience to then feel things uh, on their own, right, to get to the emotional place on their own. It does feel like it's just sort of yeah, like naturally like helps push everything along a little bit, and yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it's you know if it, it suits you know the different time periods and the different locations, it's kind of universal in that way. Um, I've been listening to it. I won't embarrass you, but on my on my phone on Spotify Yay, uh, for the last I'm few so days, happy. Uh, and I love that Sharon so Van Etten song over the end credits. Oh as well. yeah, oh, right. How did that come song. about? Well, I think uh, it, we were talking about an original song, and I think that I uh, showed the movie to Sharon, and uh, Sharon uh, wanted to make. A song for it and then i think that really was all of it i think that i sh- uh sent her um uh Leonard cohen's true love leaves no traces uh which is a song that he made with phil Spector, <laughs> and uh it is a very interesting song because it's like a you know it's fighting the it's Leonard cohen's uh delicate voice is fighting against the wall of sound um but the the song itself uh the lyrics if you listen to it it is it is really beautiful and and i think that there was something about that song that uh, i had on loop the whole time i was making the movie so i sent that song to sharon that's all i really uh sent her um, and then I think next thing that happened in between us is that she sent me that song that is now a part of the part of the film. And I was like, it's perfect. It's amazing. And it's going to it's going to play in the film. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you see the film in cinemas, like you want to stay during the end credits, um, you know, partially to compose yourself, or at least I did. Um, <laughs> but it's nice to have, you know, like an, an original song to uh, keep you company uh, whilst you're processing what you've just seen. Definitely. Now, we are a podcast which is all about film runtimes, a very niche subject matter. But I was <laughs> wondering when you're writing and, and directing and editing uh, a movie like Past Lives, do you do you think about how long the finished film is going to be? I think one has goals, you know, like my goal was 90 minutes, you know, <laughs> the movie is uh, 105, um, including credits. So it's actually even less, less long. Um, but I think that so much of it is about um, uh, the pace of it or the rhythm of it, because I do think of a movie as a piece of music. 
Um, so you cannot have it be any longer and or any shorter than it needs to be. So so much of it is about no more and no less. And I think it's so it is yeah it is like the uh, what is it the three bears. Goldilocks and three bears. It is like, you know, it can't be too long and it can't be too short. So I think so much of it had to do with like um, what is absolutely have to be a part of the film. And also the other thing about uh, editing it and then thinking about the time is that like, well, you're uh, very much making a knife and the knife has to be sharpened and the knife has to, uh, the knife has to work. So I think so much of it is about like, you know, sharpening it so that it is, uh, again, no longer or no shorter than it has to be. So I was thinking about it, um, honestly, in the edit more than anything. You, you know when it's right. Yeah, Just like sanding a little bit off here, exactly. a little bit off here, and then you, you find that sweet spot. Exactly. And sometimes it's a matter of like five frames, oh, wow. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe in that? Believe what? That... You and I knew each other in another life. Because we're sitting here at the same table in the same city at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wouldn't that make this India? Mm -mm. That's just something Koreans say to seduce someone. For our, our podcast, we, we like to invite our guests to pick a film to add to our film library. Um, we've got some amazing movies uh, in there already, and uh, and I have to say you've picked such a good film uh, to join us. So uh, so what have you picked for us today, Celine? I picked Andrew Bajalski's Computer Chess. It is uh, such an amazing movie. I still remember when I saw it in in the, in the cinema in New York City and I came out and I was just completely shook. And this was a movie, um, do you know how, when it came out? I think it was 2013, I think. 2013. Yeah. And I think that uh, even then, I think that, of course, we were feeling the uh, advent of uh, AI in our world and we were seeing the way it sort of lives in our phones and things like that. But I don't think that we even fully knew the dangers of it. And it was amazing to watch a movie that is uh, shot the way it is. It's shot like it was shot on a, a camcorder, a very old uh, a black and white uh, camcorder or something. And a part of the uh, the story of the a film is that it is... Um, uh, they're covering, it feels like they're very much like Verite covering uh, the computer chess tournament that feels like everybody there uh, feels like such like nerds and it's like uh, really an insignificant and kind of a small scale event. But within it, over time, you realize the epic scale of what is being discussed and what is being discovered. And there are also moments of magical realism in it or uh, or something where um, there's a little bit of like stepping outside of reality that of course hits you in this way where you actually realize that no, actually this um, moment, this early moment in AI has impact uh, way beyond. And it's going to, it is one of the most dangerous uh, things to happen to a people. And I think that uh, even then, I could experience that. 
And now it just feels more relevant than ever. It has this timeless feel because, like you say, it's shot in black and white. It's set in the 80s. It was made in 2013. So they're using old school cameras, a video camera. It has sort of like the tracking sort of lines on the picture. And it, it, they've, they've kept all of the, I guess, flaws or like the characteristics of the video uh, for, for, the, uh, you know, for, the, for the viewers. I've uh, just got the blurb from the back of the box just in case people haven't seen Computer Chess. But listeners, really, it's only 90 minutes long. You should go and see Computer Chess. Set over the course of a weekend tournament for chess software programmers 30-some years ago, uh, computer chess transports to a nostalgic moment uh, where the contest between technology and the human spirit seem little more up for grabs. And over that course, you meet lots of eccentric characters and it's an amazing you know, cast of characters in the film. Of course, it was, it's about these like unbelievably intelligent uh, computer programmers who are really seen as misfits. Like This was kind of before where... Uh, AI technology or technology of this kind was seen as a mainstream or, or quite corporatized yet. But of course, in the film itself, you see the sense that the military complex and the corporate corporations, they're starting to um, notice them. And I think that's actually a very big part of the movie. And you see that these guys who are just obsessed with uh, coding, you know, uh, and feel something... Uh, I don't know, uh, supernatural in the coding, they're, they're actually um, coming up against what is then we now is to come, which is the complete corporatization of it. Um, and I think that there, it's just such a, a, what is it? It's such a deep film in a way where it's like, it starts so innocuously with characters who seem very intelligent, but are seem innocuous. Like, you know, all they're doing is playing chess with their computers you know what i mean they program they had a chess playing program that they programmed and then they're just competing on the level of just playing chess and there's uh it's kind of like a sports movie okay, you yeah. know yeah. <laughs> it's a sports movie uh at first and then over time you realize the kind of the depth of the philosophy behind it or the intelligence behind it yeah yeah I, I love sort of seeing people um with their passions and all of the characters in the film they are so passionate about this they're doing this weekend tournament it's outside of work you know they're coming in their teams and and, and you see that and um, it starts out like you know it's, it's it's funny it starts out like a comedy like is this a, a mockumentary like a christopher guest type movie and it, it goes to places really unexpectedly and you really get to know this huge ensemble of characters i think for a 90 minute film especially like you you feel like like you've you've been on a journey with so many different players within the picture. I, it, it kind of caught me off guard as well. Like I was, I was sort of trying to suss out this film. You know, like it's is this because it is so funny. You know, like are we is this going to be an out and out comedy or? But I, I always think with Andrew uh, Bajowski, he's always working for like this like bigger truth. And and I think computer chess is such a good way to sort of go into this conversation you were talking about. You know, about technology versus humanity and artificial intelligence. Yeah. Well, I think the. The comedy has this amazing power where it's like it's always going to uh, lull us into thinking it is one thing and then it's, of course, going to uh, upend it. So I think comedy is just a powerful tool uh, politically and socially and everything. And I think that he really just understands that so well because uh, it's so funny. I was laughing the whole 90 minutes. But of course, there's just moments where you realize uh, behind the laughter is something very, very deep and very connected to the humanism of it you know and it also you know i think that also what you realize the thing that you're laughing about is actually a very very dangerous too and i think the danger of it i think was so uh, unexpected because i think it's easy to create danger when there are you know 
guns and knives and you know blood but i think that it is actually very complex and very difficult and to con- feel uh you know, give me the feeling that I'm in danger in some very real way while watching what seems to be just a bunch of computers and people being frustrated that the programming is not working the way that they want it to. And we're also just playing a, a game. It's, it's We're playing a chess tournament, you know? Yeah, and the characters are so charismatic and interesting. And even when they're even when they're not, it is very, very cool. I also love that it's sort of handheld. It looks like a documentary. Yeah. But then it takes you on this sort of fantastical... Yeah, you know, sort of world, and they do such a good job of showing you like how whilst it's so important to the characters this weekend tournament, they are in the basement of a cheap hotel, yeah, a really weird hotel. But the hotel kind of gets this life of its own throughout the film. It feels a bit like the man, um, the, the hotel from The Shining. Yes, uh, completely. <laughs> oh my god, without question, it really there is a part of it where it does feel like a uh, lynchin or something, like a little bit of that too. But I think it's it's uh. But I think it, it feels really true to the way that these conferences are, these conferences that people are not paying attention to, right? But then, of course, the the mischief that they get into while uh, in this hotel, uh, you know, conference, um, I think the where it all sort of ends up is always going to be, um, it, it's, it is it's more shocking than you would think. And I think it's really cool in that way. It's got one of the best sort of end frames oh. or end scenes oh, <laughs> in anything so good i mean you guys all have to watch the you know it's 90 minutes come yeah. on you, you all have to watch it just for the way that it uh ends although of course there's so much in the uh, all 90 minutes where i feel like i just know to watch it deeply um it is and to laugh through it uh it is such an uh enlivening experience i feel i felt very alive watching it you know absolutely i think it's it, you have to stick with it because it isn't the film that you think it's going to be at the beginning and and it gets surreal they they changed the camera stock at one point yeah um which is <laughs> is, is wild i read a critic sort of talking about it. it's like a wizard of oz moment where yeah. he goes back to reality and it becomes color mm-hmm. so that's an interesting reading there um and yeah there's lots of little tropes throughout the film um i've only seen it a couple of times but i look forward to seeing it again i want to work out all the cats there's a lot of cats in this film Totally. It is. It's, it's a very cat heavy film, but it's also, you know, I think what you're talking about, the kind of the way that he's able to make this movie where it's meant to feel like it is badly made, but there's not a single frame or not a single movement of the camera that is I know is not connected to the way that the movie uh, wants to be made. So I think what I mean is even though it is like it is meant to feel like uh, it's a bunch of amateurs trying to make this movie, which I think is so connected to the story. So it's the form of that is actually thematically connected to these amateur programmers who's, you know, who is um, in this really incredible moment in the uh, start of AI. Um, I think it's like it is so connected to the way that it is being made. So it's formal uh, its form really is connected to content in such a fundamental way, which I think is a sign of everything. Considering like the uh, the video camera even that it's shot on, you know, that's yes. kind of cutting edge technology in the eighties. Exactly. 80s. So they're working at the cutting edge of computer technology, but they're capturing it in a you know up to date for the time. Exactly. You know, black and white video camera. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. That's what I mean. And I think that's what's so uh, remarkable about it. But then if you actually watch the uh, frame by frame, there's not a frame that's out of place. There's not a moment that doesn't need to be there. And I think that's what is uh, so impeccable about the filmmaking. I love that movie. 
it's like what you were saying about past lives you know like you know andrew butowski's clearly sculpted this and yes. has refined it down to that 90 minutes uh, yes of know. course i was like i was like it has to be 90 minutes because of andrew <laughs> uh, right. i love the titles in the um in the movie they're, they're, they're sort of quite hard to read even because of the technology they're sort of like this overlaid digital yeah. uh, text of like day one day two that sort of information there of course and it just absolutely feeds into something that you might watch on your own vhs player exactly yeah uh, I am Pat Henderson. I am very excited. We have players from all over America, Canada, Quebec, just great. And we have something new this year. Uh, we have a lady who is competing way in the back corner. It's, I'm happy about that too. She's welcome. So the way this tournament works is this. Uh, we play Swiss system. That's five rounds. That means everybody keeps playing. If you lose, you play to the end. However, there is one big winner, and that winner gets a $7,500 prize. Uh, and the other thing you get to do, you get to play me. Stick around for the last day, because I challenge that winning chess program. Did you watch this film in cinemas at the time? Yeah, I did. I forget which. I feel like I saw it either in film forum. I see a film from or Metrograph. Oh, nice. Two yeah. incredible cinemas. Amazing yeah. cinema. Oh, I, I'm so I'm I'm wrong about Metrograph because Metrograph is late. I think I'm thinking about a different cinema. Oh, you know what? It's the the, the IFC Center. That's oh, what it was. Yeah, cool. it's one or the other. Yeah, Metrograph I think is pretty new. Mm. Yeah, it feels it feels like it would fit at home at any of those. These really cool independent New York cinemas. Yeah, that yeah, show yeah. A lot of world cinema and uh, totally. proper like American indie movies. Oh yeah, and it's amazing to see it in the cinema too. I think yeah, I think that's what I was lacking from my experience. Like to see it with a crowd. Yeah. That would be so good. It is. And people coming in with different levels of knowledge about the film. Yes, exactly. And then the audience is going to, because it is a comedy, the audience was laughing. You know, we were laughing through all of it. It's such a sen uh, amazing sense of humor, a dark one. Did you come to this as an Andrew Pachowski fan? Um, you know, do, do you remember? No, it's the first movie that I saw of his. And then after that, I feel like I ended up going to uh, the other movies that he made. Is he someone who's sort of inspired you or you thought about maybe when you were making Past Lives? I think that, you know, I think that when it comes to, for example, like thinking about like how to shoot this movie in terms of like what the form of it is. Like I feel like um, when I was uh, talking about shooting it on, shooting Past Lives on 35 millimeter film, I think uh, something it did really cross my mind that uh, the form has to uh, meet the content where it is and i think that that really was a part of the philosophical uh, conversation that i was having with my dp about shooting on film um if it wasn't philosophically aligned with the movie i don't think that i would have uh, shot it on film um because it's tremendously expensive and very difficult <laughs> so i think uh, the reason why uh at the end of the day we thought that it would it was worth it to shoot it on film is because you know the movie is about um time made tangible it's about the ephemeral uh, turned into something that you can uh, physically touch in some way. And I think because of that, we felt like the philosophy and the ideology of the movie uh, was uh, felt connected to shooting it on film. And I think in that process, I think I was thinking about uh, computer chess. A film, I think, that could only exist on, on videotape, like the form exactly. is so intrinsically linked. And how they shot it as well, like it's lots of non-actors or, or non-professional actors um, and reading interviews, they, like a lot of them have a background in computer science as well. Yeah, exactly. So there's this kind of improv because it wasn't a script, uh, just a big treatment. And, and the, you know, like the characters feel so authentic because of that. Exactly. And a lot of... Uh, 
it's, you know, often you're not really seeing them so clearly. Sometimes you're seeing them on profile. Sometimes you see the back of their heads. Sometimes you see them uh, framed with other characters in a kind of a disjointed way. So I think so much of that is like it does make it feel like you're just in the room with them, right? Holding a camcorder. And you kind of, I think, because of the way it's shot, like, you know, like you don't always see everybody in the room at the same time, but exactly. you get to know their voices and their mannerisms. Oh, yeah. And you become invested, you know, in the teams. Yes. And then it doesn't matter who who said it mm. in a way, yeah. too, so because it's true. a team. Yeah. And it's like, and it's so, and so much of it is so tense because they feel like there's such high stakes. And it's, sometimes it's just in the way that, uh, they the actors are uh, feel about something maybe you yourself do not have feel high stakes when it comes to computer chess or uh the way that these two child sweethearts are connecting maybe you yourself do not have a um stakes in that but because the actors have stakes in that because the characters have stakes in that the audience is going to come along with the high stakes absolutely i love that it's it's sort of, you know, there's so many different stories all under one roof in this hotel. And, and in fact, it's not just a computer chess tournament. There's other groups. Yes. Uh, this sort of you know, very strange uh, group who <laughs> so shared a cool. conference room with them. Um, yeah. <laughs> really up to time. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but it, again, it sort of like, it just sort of like puts you in a very specific place. You know, like the tournament can't even afford to hire the whole thing themselves. They're sharing the space. Yes, of you course. You know, and it sort of, it really sort of puts it into perspective, you know, who we're dealing with here. And how amazing that the, the people that they're sharing it with is sort of uh, pursuing the same thing as they are, but just in a completely different way, but through purely physical and spiritual, right? Because it's like, you know, computer chess is about uh, uh, people pursuing God intellectually and uh, through numbers and through coding. And of course, in the other room, you're seeing uh, people trying to reach God through their physical bodies and their uh, spirit, right? And I think that, and I think what I really love so much is at the end of the day, what you realize is the, the um, computers themselves are bodies, right? And then people themselves are computers too. Yeah, we're going to put computer chess on in a cinema. Um, if I could give you a print of the, of the movie and a blank check to you know, book a venue to screen at, have you got a, a favorite location or somewhere you think might particularly suit computer chess? You know, I feel like uh, maybe the Angelica in uh, NoHo oh, wow, uh, in yes. New York City. Yeah, <laughs> that would be cool. They, they're still playing past lives there. Oh, amazing! Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's five times a day. It's amazing. So I think, and I think it's like uh, it has that uh, raw feeling as a space, and I think that's what I really love about it. That's cool. No, I think that's a great a great uh, fit. And uh, I don't know if you're a fan of you know when you go to the cinema as a customer, do you like you know having introductions or, or Q and As? Would you like to have a special guest uh, for computer chess? There is an AI ethicist that I watch um, the YouTube videos about where he really, I watching his videos, um, YouTube videos, he taught me so much about AI ethics, which is an entire uh, philosophical and computer science uh, field where there's research to uh, AI ethics. And I feel like uh, maybe uh, somebody from that group or maybe the guy who runs that YouTube itself. Having an expert, you know, to sort of add some context to the yeah. film, that would be fantastic. I think it'd be great. I just feel like, I also feel like uh, AI ethics is not something that uh, we uh, discuss because I feel like there's still a feeling that it is not so dangerous. It is only convenience making. But in fact, I think that it is... Uh, unbelievably dangerous you know what i mean and in ways that we may not expect given what we uh see in media because i feel like what we see in media is like 
uh, not necessarily what AI ethicists are worried about. It's a good way to continue the conversation the film has because the film was sort of written and, and made in 2013, but through a 1980-something lens. Yeah. And now having a 2023 perspective on that might be yeah, a nice really way to ex- extend to the story. Exactly, yeah. I think it's an important question too. If, if you had to sort of offer a drink or a snack, if you've got a, a go-to uh, concessions item that you like to have when you go to the cinema? Uh, I think just the classic popcorn, butter popcorn, and maybe Sprite. Okay. I usually drink Sprite at movie theaters. We can do this. We can have a have a have a whole <laughs> table of popcorn and sprites laid out for people yes, uh, to go into computer chess. Um, it's your screening. You get to choose the food and drink. That's Amazing. very important. I love that. That's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you so uh, much for talking to us, Celine. Thank you Thank for selecting you. this remarkable uh, film and oh, I'm so shining excited. the spotlight on computer chess. I'm so excited that you're gonna get to show this movie. You know what I mean? It's so cool. I think we're, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's the joy of doing this podcast is getting everyone's sort of personal recommendations. Yeah, and and then to watch it. You know, and um, it means I don't ever have to think about what to watch. I just get to follow other people's choices. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or if you've got a mo, share an episode with your friends. Every recommendation helps. You can contact us on our website, 90minfilmfest.com, and on Twitter and Instagram, at 90minfilmfest. The podcast is produced by me, Sam Clements, and Louise Owen. It's edited by Louise Owen, with sound mixing and additional editing by Luke Smith. Our music is by Martin Ostwick, and our artwork is by Sam Gilby. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. We're a proud member of the Stripped Media Network.